0: This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies comes with an important statement right up top. After recording this week's episode, it came to our attention that one of the directors we speak about has been accused of serious sexual misconduct. We felt it was important to acknowledge that at the time of this recording, we were unaware of the allegations against director Gary Goddard. The topic of separating art from the artist and whether or not it should be is a big subject, and maybe something we'll discuss in depth on a later episode. We assure you that our naivete on this matter is a sign of mild ignorance and not willful blindness. With that in mind, enjoy the show.
1: What
0: is up, Internet? I wonder why they put the food on these little white sticks. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And it's pretty. But is it art? My name is Shaheer Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically our 150th episode special, our Desert Island
1: Films. 150 episodes. You know, I did the math, and I think that means we've got 7.5 full 24-hour days of content that you could listen to. (laughs) That's not true. That is absolutely true. (laughs) Approximately 1.2 hours at 150 episodes, is 7.4 days should
0: we start a radio station I th- I mean you could just put you could just literally just no you can't there's internet things where you can just start internet radio stations that you just sort of put your stuff on we could put it on a
1: loop Wow imagine like dipping in like like imagine w- sleeping at uh, at our at our Mad Max Fury Fury Road yep, episode yep, yep, and then yep, yep. waking up at our entourage episode and the, or waking up at our uh, Civil War episode or waking up at our pigeon a Blanche uh, conflict this you would just just be like, uh, it would just. What year th- is it? Yeah, I know. And then listening to us evolve as, as like, radio voices over time as well, and I think would be really fascinating. Anyway, Matt, 150 episodes. Wow. We did it, buddy. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's not quite the same milestone as 100. No, well, we did something special for 100. It's Go back and listen like, to that if you, know, you want. It's, it's, it's 100 plus 0.5. But you had this
0: really fun idea. Yeah. And at first, I was like, what do desserts have to do with yeah. films?
1: I do do that. I spell dessert with a D-E-S-E-S-E all i Look,
0: spelling is not a strength. Of mine whatsoever. But but you had this idea of, of, and I'll let you sort of pitch it, but the concept of a desert island film. What our desert island film would be. And then we'd both watch them and sort of talk about the other ones. Or How, how do you want to so do the this? The
1: scenario is this. Imagine, Mr. Kroll, mm. you and I are on a plane. Say to the southern hemisphere. Say we were flying to my homeland. Okay, we're going, we're going to New Zealand. But... But for some reason at the gate, sure. you were upgraded to first class. I mean, for some reason, <laughs> for of some course, re- of course. So I you're was sitting upgraded. in the front of the plane, sipping champagne with those like extra big screens that they give the, you know, the special people. Yeah. And I'm like crammed up in the back seat, you know, like, wait, why don't you get first class? No, I I'm, I'm just like crammed up in cattle class all the way in the back. Like my feet, you know, like jammed up against the seat in front of me. Okay. Trying okay. to like hold a laptop or an iPad or something while like eating that shitty food that they give you. <laughs> And say at that moment the plane cracks in two. Okay, All oh, right. oh, we're on separate desert islands. Yeah. This okay. is, well, this is, well, well, the plane cracks in two. For some reason, there's nobody else on this plane. <laughs> it's just, it's just me and cattle class, you and first class. That's the way we roll.
0: Okay. No, and, no, uh, flight attendants. No, no flight attendants. No, atten- no well, pilots. Everyone,
1: I mean, look, it's an unfortunate tragedy, but everyone. Oh died. God! Did everyone die? Everyone died. Everyone died except for you and this, me. Uh, this exercise got dark. <laughs> the 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 front of the plane goes to one one side of the island. Sure. The back of the plane goes to the other side. It's of the lost. Island. We're in a typical We're in a lost. lost scenario. Yep. You're with the others. I'm like on the beach. Okay. And and you hello, know, Jack. We, <laughs> we have to like you know struggle for survival, but the one respite we have, okay, is that for some reason in your other in the others cabin there is a DVD player. But only one piece of luggage survived. Not a Blu-ray player? Uh, let's, with the movie you chose, I'm going to go with the DVD. <laughs> Actually, Actually, both uh, movies could be DVDs. They're, they're both on Blu-ray, but unnecessarily so. What are you talking about? <laughs> they were both crystal clear. You made a comment. Um, and the piece of luggage that has landed on your side of the island... Is my, is my luggage with the one film that I always carry with me whenever okay. I travel for uh, some reason. Like a I'm security just, blanket. Yeah, just like a security blanket. I keep it with me wherever I go at all times. And on my side of the island, I found the hatch, by the way. So I found the hatch, you know, which has that, like, underground bunker, and there's a DVD player in there, uh-huh. and I've got your piece of luggage. It's okay. like the old switcheroo. And for some reason, we have the same, you know, suitcase or whatever it it's is. the parent trap, but, yeah. like, with Samsonite. <laughs> and now we are stuck on, the, on this desert island with only one movie each to watch, and that is the other person's. Movie. Okay. So I wanted to like I I, I know that's an so, elaborate setup. No, no,
0: but the, the setup this the setup isn't very is very important, and I think um you know we'll both be talking about each other's films, but I think even before that, uh, we should talk about why that would
1: be our movie. Why would that be our movie? But even before that, before before that, you listen, the you preamble d- to the the pr- the prologue, the preamble, the <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh, the this idea is wonderful. I'm glad you set it up, but something else that I absolutely do love is hearing from our wonderful, wonderful (laughs) listeners.
1: Um, Yes. And uh, our wonderful listeners could email us at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. And sometimes we get very, very smart people emailing us in. Uh, uh, Most times, in fact. It's normally to tell us we did something wrong. And in this case it was someone telling me that I had done something wrong. Oh, this
0: is my favorite kind of email. (laughs) Uh,
1: This email is actually from someone I know but who I haven't spoken to in a little while. They've moved to another country Uh, and and they, their uh, prefix on their name is a doctor, and they are a biochemist. And mm. on our Annihilation episode, I happened to talk about a few things that related to biochemistry okay. or biology in general. Sure. And Dr. De Silva, who is a biochemist at the, uh, at the University of Edinburgh. Okay. Uh, has in- Edinburgh? Edinburgh. He's in Edinburgh. <laughs> uh. Um Uh, wrote and said, as per conversation about HeLa cells, they are a cervical cancer cell named after Henrietta Lacks, H-E-L-A, from whom the cells were isolated. So there is no such thing as trying to isolate HeLa cells before Henrietta. Best wishes, Raphael. Now, Okay. So he proved proved you wrong. Actually, technically, I I emailed him back, and I was like, that's not what I said, Dr. De You went back and listened to yourself, didn't you? I did go back, and I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure that's not what I said. Um, So uh, when we're talking about Annihilation, I think a really interesting thing that happens in the movie Annihilation is there's a scene where uh, Natalie Portman's character is reading a book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. It's a really amazing book. There's a great Radiolab episode about it. It was made into an HBO movie starring Oprah Winfrey, which is not very good, Um, but it's a really fascinating story. Uh, about the the where the HeLa cell came from as Dr. De Silva mentioned um, and and I talked about it as, a, as an interesting analogy to what was happening in the film because it's an immortal cell um, I think maybe where Dr. De Silva uh, got confused was I said Henrietta Lacks was the patient zero for, um, for the HeLa cell and I think he took that to mean that we were looking for the HeLa cell before uh, that. What, I, uh, what I meant was that that was where the HeLa cell came from. I just choose not to argue with doctors. No I wouldn't, but I, I live with one and, uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Okay. I, I, well, I wouldn't argue with Shivali either. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. It's it, it goes horribly every time. Most of the time she'll just like, she'll traipse out her degree in front of me and just be like, look, PhD. Do, look, does and that I come in?
0: If I had one, I'd make sure I had it like in wallet size so oh, I could really? like flip it open like a badge.
1: Oh, she, I, you know, she, I, she's always wanted to do that on a plane. Oh man. There <laughs> you like, go. Is there a doctor in the house? I'm, uh, a, doctor. I'm a doctor, but then so she's going to have to
0: like, like do an emergency, like uh, a like collapse lung thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then she'd be like, Oh, I didn't want to do that. Who else has been getting in touch with us, Matt? Well, uh, this isn't uh, one person per se, but it is a large or larger than uh, normal group of people. I, I did a random thing. She here, I don't know if you saw it on uh, the Instagrams or if even our listeners, uh, under Skeletor there before Prez, my personal Instagram, because I <laughs> haven't started a podcast one yet. Um, I posted a picture because we are doing um, upcoming specials in the in the road to Infinity War.
1: Let's uh, let's put an asterisk on the Wii there.
0: Well, that is true. <laughs> well, okay, so me and uh, the wonderful uh, and talented uh, comedian uh, of Girl Code fame, Shalia Evans, and I mm-hmm. are doing a three-part retrospective coming up. They're going to be bonus episodes, so if you don't like Marvel stuff, that's cool. Although, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Um, the, There'll be sort of bonus episodes between regular reviews, uh, but we're going to do one on Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase so i am now in the thick mm-hmm. of rewatching every marvel film which by the way amc is doing another marathon and it's Ugh. like 34 hours and i think that's silly
1: i could you imagine the smell in that place oh Ugh. no I mean, i've been to have you been to a 24-hour movie marathon or no, anything like that
0: no i think the longest i've done i think i did uh i did the one up to avengers so that's a lot but that's right. like 12 hours ish. oh god yeah. that's horrible anyway um but so i was like oh i own all these on blu-ray and then i like put them all on the floor and they looked really nice uh, you know in the phases and the rows but then the one obviously because black panther is still in theaters uh that space was empty so my cat zoe uh is a is a black cat so i was like oh perfect and i kept trying to get zoe to sit in the spot and she wouldn't sit in the spot but i ended up snapping a really cute picture and i put it up on reddit okay uh Kind of blew up on Reddit. It had, and I've never, I don't post on Reddit, so listeners, uh, if you do, and this isn't that impressive, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but you even texted me in the morning. You're like, "What up, front page yeah, of Reddit?" Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I, saw, I uh, just in my usual wake up for like 45
0: minutes. I think nothing yeah. huge, uh, and we got it was like, like
1: Trump's announcements and you. Well, no, it was Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking, Stephen uh, Hawking. R.I.P. Stephen Hawking, yeah. and then
0: my cat. And I was like, "What the hell?" Um, but we got a ton of boats, So like, and then I've been <laughs> literally just been chatting with people in in our Marvel um, for the entire week. The, the the community there is great, and I've really enjoyed like chatting with everybody. There. So thank you for indulging me and in sort of having a fun discussion. I've been instructing people on the proper order because I forget <laughs> sometimes that this isn't everyone's lifeblood like it
1: is mm, mine. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> so uh, it, that's been super fun. So thank you, our Marvel and Reddit, uh, because y'all have been very friendly to me and my uh, my own uh, personal uh, little black cat. So
1: <laughs> but thank just, you. Uh, just a jump side note: if you can, you should watch a brief history of time right now. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah, picked, uh, Errol Morris's documentary about Stephen Hawking.
0: Oh man, uh, there very- was a great another. Reddit compilation of all the great appearances that Stephen Hawking has done uh, in in media Be, uh, being the Star Trek the next generation one is my favorite when they have the hologram data's playing uh, uh, poker with all the greatest minds <laughs> I and d- He I is d- one of them
1: I just remember uh, him on the Simpsons yeah, he's on the or oh, he's on, on the future he's on, he's on Futurama a couple times yeah 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 mm. oh well uh R.I.P. Stephen Hawking but, uh, but, yeah, but so welcome if, to Black Panther aka Zoe yeah that's <laughs> right and um if you if you'd like to email
0: us about uh things that uh you know shaheer did wrong or or <laughs> marvel nonsense or literally anything that has to do with film or what you're thinking please email us only at gmail.com or get in touch with us on twitter at onlymoviepod. also please leave some itunes reviews we've been getting a couple uh, here and there and we'd love more of them look i want five stars right i want them i yeah. want them every single one but but to be fair I'd rather a four-star review than a than than no review at all. And if you have some criticism or some critique that you'd like us to hit, please let us know that as well. Okay. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to grow as a person, are and you? and I'm I'm trying to grow as a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's
1: but, weird, but it can, no. And I think that's it's like why a Skynet kind of. Thing. I know.
0: Well, I like I, we do special episodes like this one every once in a while, which I really do enjoy. Um, just sort of things that are a little bit off the beaten path. Because I mean, Shakir, let's be honest, real quick. Let's just be honest. If we weren't gonna do our desert island films this week what will we have been doing
1: yeah there's not i mean there's a few things out this week that sure. i kind of wanted to check sure. out what, are, I, what the, are yours my desert island movies no or, you're what
0: what movies i really want to see the,
1: the death of stalin i really the uh, amando Anucci film he i um his film and oh his tv show in the thick of it and in the loop are amazing and veep is amazing so i'm kind of a big uh i, I do want to check that out
0: Yep. That looks good uh, on my list of things that we could have been doing. Uh, we could have reviewed Tomb Raider, but there's mm-hmm. a chance we might do that in the future yeah. uh, with special guests that has requested to be on the episode. <laughs> so we might do that. Yeah. Or maybe I could just watch a super cut of YouTube of the 2013 video game because it seems like it's the exact same thing. Oh, sick burn, bro. <laughs> uh, there was also I do want to see Love, Simon. Uh, yep, which is all really about good. sort of like uh, love in the internet, which yeah. I think is an uh, uh, interesting thing. Uh, and then there's obviously Josie starring Sansa Stark, which looks
1: like a little bit of a I feel wreck. like I feel like I saw some images from this. Uh, She's always I- by a pool. Right, I, I, it's it's not playing. It's no. not really coming up in my brain, no. but I, I know I've seen some images. So from this. My, my point is, there there are a couple films. It's a pretty quiet period. Isn't it's it? a little
0: bit slow. Yeah. It's a
1: little bit slow. So I'm glad you came up with this, exercise. and it just happened to coincide with 150. So yeah, Desert island movies, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna. So obviously, I had my preamble, uh, our little story of how we ended up on on the Lost Island. But what a Desert island movie is is obviously a movie that if you had one movie to watch. Only one movie to watch. This would be the one. And you, you know, this is the only one you could watch from now on in. And I think uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, recent Best Director nominee, uh, winner, yeah. um, uh, said he, he kind of had a slightly different definition. He wasn't talking about desert island movies, but he was talking about the film Zodiac, which would have been a was which was a, a very high potential for me. Ah. Um, was no, that, room <laughs> no room in the suitcase? No room in the suitcase. Can only pick one. Um, <laughs> was that he described Zodiac as a one sock movie? And what he meant by that was that it's uh, it's it's late at night. You're about to go out or something like that, and you turn, on, you turn on the TV and you sit down, you're about to put your sock on, Zodiac's playing, you end up with one sock in your hand, you watch the whole film, like, right to the end. He, yeah. said, he described it as that kind of movie. And I think for a Desert Island movie, that it should have somewhat of that similar quality, where it's a movie, anytime it's on, it's one of those ones where you're just gonna... There's nothing you can do about it. You're this gonna, is my life now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch this. So so that was kind of the thinking behind it. But there was a little, there's a, obviously a few parameters to this, because I know you you and I were texting back and forth a little bit about, like, which movie should we do? And and you should, I, I think the movie you really wanted to do is one that we've actually reviewed on the podcast.
0: Uh, some of them, depending. Also, there was other ones that I've like, oh, well, maybe I'd like to do a whole episode on this at some point. But I do feel, mm-hmm. and I w- we'll reveal our reasons later, but I do feel like the film that I've chosen is the perfect desert island movie
1: what were your backups what were like before we get to that film what was the what was some of the ones that you kind of were Uh thinking Terminator
0: about? two which yep. we've discussed which we've discussed um uh, Scott pilgrim versus the world I, which, I was expecting that one which I think I'd like to do uh, a full show on at some point uh once I have something I'm, I'm developing a little thing about it and i because <laughs> that movie I feel like in the nerdy sort of community has been pulled apart uh and has been discussed at great length and until I have something actually officially like more to say about it than everyone else has I don't think it's worthwhile yet but I'm getting there okay um, you're growing yeah 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 um, also Mad Max was kind of up there a little bit uh, the yeah. Road Warrior or Fury Road uh, F- uh, Fury Road okay um, but we've, d- we've done we've, that but we done yeah. that one yeah. and then um, what was the other one that I had oh, it w- oh uh, Youth which we also had done which we've also done yeah Uh, So I had I had a few. None of the
1: Marvel movies where you're like Disney. Oh,
0: Iron Man, Iron Man one or um or or uh sorry, or of the first Avengers. Okay, um because those probably Iron Man one. Now that I've been rewatching, I don't want to get too much into it. Cause I will be soon, but that, that movie is surprisingly 10 years later, still very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think, I think I made the right call. Okay. And I, what about you? What were your runners up? My runners up. These are movies because so we f- can't fit more than one Blu-ray in a suitcase <laughs> yeah. or we can't put them on a drive.
1: Nope. Or, or we a live card. in like some alternate universe where iPods never came out. Nope. Um, I uh Heat was one of them Michael Mann's film. There, there were a couple of Michael Mann movies on here for some reason. Heat and the Insider are two movies that I kind of love. Sure Zodiac uh, was another one. Yep. Uh, Doctor Strangelove. Was was a definite choice Ooh, of mine. I thought
0: you were going a different direction.
1: Oh, what would you what no, you think?
0: Because you're like Doctor Strange. I'm like ah, love, and I was like,
1: oh yeah, no, that's good too. Oh no, no, not Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange, the movie, <laughs> the, the only Marvel movie which is which we which I wasn't there for happens to be my favorite movie of all time.
0: Shout out to John Gables.
1: <laughs> um, out of sight, the Steven Soderbergh film was was another choice, mm-hmm. and then I kind of want. I was like, oh. Then I started doing this thing, which I was thinking about you, and I was like, oh. What movies would I want Matt to be to watch? And I was like, oh, "That's that a little of, bit outside that, of the box." That's outside of the box. A very elaborate sand-covered box. Yeah, exactly. But there are a couple of movies I I thought you would enjoy. Uh, there's a there's two Korean films. One called Memories of Murder uh, by Bong Joon-ho, which yep. we uh, we did Snow. I've Peter heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, and another one called Oasis, which I, I don't think you would like, but I think it's an amazing film. It would be good for me. Is that what you're no, saying? No, I don't think it'd be. I think. <laughs> mm. I think anyone who sits down to watch this movie walks away going, holy shit, Ah, I can't believe that got made. I don't know if you'd like it, though. That's all right. You know what I mean? Um, Michael Haneke's The Piano Teacher was the other one. Okay. Um, uh, but, But eventually I landed on one film that when I... I think like you... When I sat down to think about it, it just made sense. It sure, was like, this is this is actually the one I would probably pack with me wherever I go. That makes sense. Uh, so,
0: so whose suitcase? Who? Wh- what? What side of the island? Either in the in the hatch or with the others. Where Where do we want to begin this journey?
1: Should we just like open them at the same time? Well, uh, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, we could. That would just be awkward on a on an audio podcast. Yeah, I don't think that works. Okay. Uh, Why don't you tell me? Well, I'll tell you what. Yours was. You tell me what mine was, and then we'll start a review. Okay. So you go first about mine. Okay. The movie Matthew Kroll chose was directed by Gary Goddard. No relation to Drew Goddard. Nope. Nope. No relation to Drew Goddard. Masters of the Universe, the cinematic film adaptation of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That is right. Say no more.
0: Matt. What, what film did I pick for you? I opened up Shaheer's Luggage, much more stylish than mine, I will say. I think Though I, I was traveling in cattle class. I, look, I don't know why they upped my ticket. It doesn't make any sense. But I opened that thing up, and underneath all of the essays on <laughs> on cinema in general, and, and a lot of papers that just read I taught film school. Yeah, I don't know. It's like over and over again, like you got in trouble with a chalkboard. I found the Criterion Collection Blu-ray disc. Of the one and only, I would say, documentary about fraud and fakery. Mm -hmm. F for fake,
1: Orson Welles. Yeah. What did you think? (laughs) No, no, okay. I mean, (laughs) these are, you know what's hilarious about these? Is that I think someone on Twitter was calling out how, like, every review we do isn't actually about the movie, it's about. Us, our personalities as individuals sure. and how we come to the movie, which I think is very accurate. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, and these picks couldn't be more accurate. Yeah. In the in look, that description, if
0: there's one thing we're good at is staying on brand. Yeah, we're very much on brand. Uh, look, uh, I mean,
1: you. I'll jump in with the Masters of the Universe. Okay, because so for for me, Master of the Universe is an interesting one because I, I think the case with have you had you seen If for Fake before? I had not. Had you heard of it? It before yes you'd heard of it before yes so the thing with masters of the universe is not only had i heard of it before i have seen this movie so many times well, it I, shocked me when i found out I, as a little kid i was obsessed with he-man as as most little kids were i grew up around that period 1982 to 1987 which was the big he-man years and masters of the universe came out what was it 1987 you know prime uh prime time for Shahir, uh, watching movies. And and of course, it was a live action adaptation of this toy that I absolutely loved and had. And it was one of those things where, um, again, this would have been while I was in Fiji. So in the, the other thing in Fiji is we didn't have TV. So we only had VHS copies, which meant we could rewatch things infinitely. You would rent a VHS copy of a movie and you would, you know, and you would hold it for a week or two and you could just watch it as many times as you want. So I did a lot of rewatching. And eventually I think I owned my own copy of masters of the universe. And it was one of those things that I would, um, whenever like my parents went to dinner parties or anything like that, and they had to bring, you know, the kids would oh, come yes. along. It was the film we would take to like entertain the kids, you know, while they were off having the dinner party. Yeah. And, and so I, I've seen this movie, a bunch. Yeah. I And I actually had, I even watched it recently because I think it popped up on Hulu or Netflix and I kind of just popped it up as a nostalgia factor mm-hmm. and I was like, oh cool, I want to just see where this was. And so, here's my initial thoughts about it. There's no way I'm I'm going to defend this as a good movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is I do like this movie a lot on a personal level. Me personally enjoys watching this movie.
0: Then why? Then Let's pause. Let's pause there right there. Then why isn't it good? I'm not talking about like, you know, individual craftsmanship and quality of filmmaking and like the most artful uh, telling of the of a story of a bunch of hunks of plastic that we used to smash together on playgrounds. I'm talking about if you enjoy the film, Why is it
1: not a good movie? Because that's well. I mean. Do you think the room is a good movie? I do. You think the room is a good movie? Look, (laughs) I I would because I think the difference, uh, the
0: term that I use, I I don't mind calling the room a good movie because the room gives me an experience. I don't get elsewhere that I overall enjoy. Right. If a film can do that, it's a good movie. Now, is you could you could argue that it is not intentionally good. Right. I would agree with that a hundred percent. But
1: like, would you but say I would, would say you m- say to anyone, "Oh, this is a good movie"? Like, say so, because I think when you're saying the room is a good movie, it's like, oh, I enjoy this film and it's a pleasure to watch. But I you, get but what like, you're but you can't like say to someone like blind recommending down the street, "Oh, this is a good movie." No, because you're setting them up to fail in that point. But I think the room
0: and anything you're enjoying, ironically, or something that is being enjoyed in a way that was it was not meant to be, obviously, that's a different sort of recommendation in general. Let's Go with something other than the room. Well,
1: but but the point there, I think, with the room and with Master of the Universe, is that the the see again. I wouldn't call it good, but you would because I I think it's a reflection of what you personally enjoy as taste. But now, even beyond that, even beyond that, Master
0: of the Universe, the film is a good, and I'll say this straight up, is a good movie because structurally and from a film craft perspective, they did everything good. They did everything okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to blow you away, but it is a competent film with, with, with decent cinematography, uh, great acting in one spot, and then a bunch <laughs> of
1: mediocre acting <laughs> in another spot. And you know what I would actually compare it to is The Godfather Part 3, which, which, uh, which I Maybe. would say is, is, is not a good movie, but yeah. is, has some great moments in it. Yeah, yeah, but and again, it makes sense. It structurally I sound. Say,
0: I think. I think you and I get hung up on on terminology a lot. Spoiler alert. Mm. Uh, but the I think I just have a hard time because, like, I would never call it a great movie. Like, mm. for instance, when you mentioned, like, I think. Well, no, let's mm. put it this way. I think it's great yeah. because of my nostalgia and because of things that I'll talk about later on in this episode. But even be like, I do honestly feel like if you strip away my love of a thing, I think it is a and by good. I mean, like, uh, you know, 50 to 60 out of 100. I mean, like, right. that sort of thing. It's, it's a good, it doesn't do anything egregiously wrong to be like, that's a bad movie. Right. It's a good movie.
1: It's a solid enough. I think if movie. we're if we're using that, if we're going to get hung up on terminology, there, I would say <laughs> which we never do. I would say it's an okay movie. Like to me, good is a slightly different bar than okay. what this. And movie I, is. that's
0: that's I will I will concede to that sort of point or that sort it's of not thinking. A,
1: you're right. It's not egregiously bad. Although Dolph Lundgren is his acting p- is the worst part of the film is pretty bad. And like and like what. If he is the main character of the movie, this movie has, not the main has, has some problems.
0: There's a reason it's called Master of the Universe and not called He-Man. <laughs> There's a reason.
1: Okay. Um, it's funny though, you've you've jumped in to defend this film right away. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you know,
0: I, I just didn't like the terminology. I think it's as a good movie, or in your in your words, in your thing, it is an okay movie.
1: It's an okay movie, and I enjoy it because it reminds me of of repeated viewings that I would have of it, and I gain a lot of pleasure from just re-watching scenes that I have seen many a time before mm-hmm. um, and and I think you know uh, what it does you know and the other thing I was thinking about when I watched it I was like oh Matt you know I, I, I suddenly get why Matt loves Thor because Master of the Universe is the prototype for the first Thor movie it really
0: is- honestly <laughs> it's the prototype for the second one
1: Oh, no, 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 it's no. It's the no, prototype for the first one. The first it's the first one, one. It's, you're it's right. Fish out of water. Fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's not do it on Asgard. Let's put them on Earth. Yep. Um, it's cheaper that way. It's a lot cheaper that way. Let's have someone on Asgard trying to get him back, all that mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. It's, it's 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 exactly that movie. And in fact, I've been reading um, a book uh, uh, this week called uh, The Big Picture, which is about the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they talk a lot about how um, the, the, the cost savings in Thor were exactly the same rationale for Master of the Universe, where yeah. it was literally like, We've got to get we we can't afford to do Asgard. Let's just get do a little bit of Asgard at the beginning, maybe a little bit at the end. But let's get him on Earth into a location that we can actually afford,
0: like a town they build three square blocks of to blow up.
1: Yeah, the book the book the book is called "The Big Picture: The Fight for the Future of Movies" by Ben Fritz. Very good, very good book. Um, uh, really all based on the Sony hacks, by the way. Um, Ooh, hacks on hacks on hacks. Um, so so coming back to uh, He Man, Dolph Lundgren certainly looks the part but the other the other thing about rewatching this is it reminds me that like he-man is a house of cards it is literally like a hodgepodge of mythology from all sorts of different things kind of like thrown together sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't I remember owning, I think the thing was that I owned the toy and the toy was really unique in that it was like bulky and muscular and it like had this sort of like they
0: were taller than most action figures at the time
1: and and they had this sort of like um, detail to the musculature which was like really intricate and it felt you know, it, there was something very tactile about it that, that was really different to like owning a G.I. Joe or a mask or something like that. The
0: Netflix series, uh, The Toys That Made Us uh, is really great. I haven't watched the He-Man one. That's the one I'm up next, but I've watched G.I. Joe and Barbie. And that whole time is so interesting about literally how a lot of our memories and a lot of our things that we've enjoyed when we were children in that time period were literally just consumerism. Oh, entirely. consumerism. (laughs) And we're the first generation to experience that. Like from 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 a that, like things that define us, like no generation before us is looking at is 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 dealing with the nostalgia bomb like we are because and, because they were actively pushed to us. You didn't just find your thing you were into when we were kids. It was marketed to us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that is. We are the first generation to experience the sort of bulk consumerist marketing. There's a really good uh, documentary called The Corporation, which has this this interesting side note about the nag factor that they talk about, where like kids are encouraged to nag their, their parents, parents for the
0: things because the, they can't
1: buy them. Yeah, yeah. And and the you know. Toy makers really like actively encourage that uh-huh. uh, that uh, behavior, um, and the the interesting thing is I have watched that episode of um, uh, the toys that made us. Don't spoil really... it. Well, the thing that they talk about was that Mattel was really reeling from the fact that they didn't get Star Wars. Yes. Like Star, you know, like they were offered Star Wars and Kenner toys took it instead uh, in a ridiculous deal that was like so advantageous <laughs> to George Lucas. But unlike anything else that no, came no, out, no, the first
0: one was advantageous to um, to Kenner. Got, yeah, and then right. when the prequels came out, they got booed. Yeah,
1: because because the thing was is that at the, up until that point, no science fiction property like that had done as amazingly as right. that film ha- had done. So, so Mattel was like, we need something. And so they kind of were like, well, rather than like try to license something, and I think they were trying to license Battlestar Galactica, they were mm-hmm. like trying to do Star make Trek, they, they were like, why don't we just make our own? Which is exactly, by the way, the The impetus of the Marvel uh, the, of Marvel Studios that were like instead of like trying to license our properties out to other, places, why don't we just make our own?
0: It's the it's the impetus for Transformers. they were yeah. GoBots. They didn't. They decided to go from the, like it's 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 how a lot of the stuff was made.
1: And it's got it's kind of amazing because then what you see is is when you look at it under that paradigm, it's like oh they were reeling from Star Wars, so they were like okay, let's do something that was kind of Star Wars esque And then at the same time, they were like oh our market research tell tells us that. Uh, young boys are very obsessed with power they, they even say the word a lot you know the power I have art, the power I want the power and they and they 're they're kind of at, you know the, at the age of five or six they 're kind of str- fighting for independence, so that sense of like gaining power is what they want and then on top of that they they found like a bunch of Conan the barbarian artwork and they 're like, this is the aesthetic that we want to work in in this Star Wars universe about this one character that has this power and it 's just this like hodgepodge of like ideas oh, yeah. kind of like Jam together... And if you watch the TV show, the it's like, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just like, what? The Diamond
0: Ray of Disappearance episode works great. Uh, <laughs> anytime where they go to, uh, well, I, I won't say anytime, but like all the Hordak shit, yeah. not so
1: much. Um, it, yeah. It's such a strange uh, hodgepodge. So I, what I enjoyed about revisiting this film was kind of seeing the younger version of myself take delight in the things that were just kind of presented to me and enjoying them for what it was. It was like this idea of this big bulky man, uh, you know, like with muscles and a sword and laser guns. You know, that's pretty cool. I liked Cringer the cat, though he's not in the movie. Not in the movie. Uh, I liked Orko, though he's not in the movie. Gwildor! Um, I, li- I liked Eternia and the mythology around Skull. that's kind of in the movie. It's that's like, the
0: only place in Eternia that's in the movie, it's, uh, but other but like, than like
1: the Badlands. You know, like Sorcerer is kind of in the movie. Sorceress? Yeah, Sorceress is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that makes, the thing that I will defend is Frank Langella, who play, who, who I will say objectively is, perf, gives a masterclass in performance here because he takes what is an iconic kind of like slightly schlocky, uh, laugh from a, you know, a, a, a cartoon, you know, the, the classic skeleton <laughs> kind of laugh, that sort of high pitched, um, thing. And, and he turns it into something that is extraordinarily shakespearean something with a real sense of pathos something where he he does mask performance so well in this film it's kind of that this is the one thing in this film i will say not only goes beyond the bar of good it is excellent on a level that is almost unparalleled and i think um what Franklin jello you know does here is he takes it seriously he takes the mythology seriously he takes the the performance of what he's the the character motivation seriously and he just gives it his all and and unfortunately the, the only problem there is that when he's up against Dolph Lundgren it's a case of like uh you know uh, the the comparison I made there was the Godfather part three where it was like um, Sophia Coppola up against al Pacino so that's the kind of the the this this is a sort of mixed nostalgia thing I enjoy it because it like reminds me of my nostalgia and it reminds me of me as a kid. Um, and I and and then rewatching it like really gave me a kick to see Frank Langella kind of deliver this this incredible performance. It really it is up there with the best things he's done in in my opinion. Um, but you know like uh, would I watch this over and over and over and over and over again? I'm not I'm not exactly sure about that. But Matt, tell me why you would.
0: I mean you're dead on you're dead on about uh, about a good old Frank. There's no welcome back Frank. Uh, I, <laughs> not that you've gone anywhere, Frank Langella. Jella is a fantastic actor. Uh, look, the reason this film is, is what I would say my desert Island film is because, and I, th- I do think it goes beyond nostalgia, but nostalgia definitely plays a part in it. I think for a film well, I ha- I- I- let's-, let's rewind. I have a jokey answer that's partway true, and then I have a real answer that's partially a joke. Okay. Uh, My jokey answer that is partially true is, if we're crash-landed on an island and I have to deal with mm-hmm. the others and I'm having to deal with all these stresses about surviving and trying to get these people to trust me, and I'm probably going to be put in a labor camp, and then I have to make this toxic gas that's eventually going to destroy the thing or whatever, <laughs> even if it's a more realistic island, I'm going to have to deal with food. I'm going to have to try to get rescued. It's going to be hard. I'm going to be working out like 12 to 18 hour days and i'm only going to have like a small moment of respite to 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 sort of collect myself and collect my thoughts i need something that is both at the same time comforting uh smart where it needs to be mindless where it needs to be and maybe something that can teach me a thing or two about exile so uh <laughs> I, this movie and that, and even sort of beyond that and in a more serious tone this is a film That every time I watch it and I've probably watched it almost 50 times in my life, if not more at this point, Mm -hmm. just again, same thing that you had said, uh, you know, uh, my, my, my grandfather back in the day who had HBO, he was the only family member that had it taped it off it. And we just burnt that VHS to the core, just watching it over and over again. Um, And the, every time I've watched it that I can remember, I've noticed something new. Okay. And that to me speaks to, and again, there are, please, there are problems with this movie, 100%. Don't let my um, egregious love or even choice to put it in this matter be, uh, you know, the end all be all of what I think is quality, but, but there is enough love shown in a lot of the, uh, costume design set design, the art direction in, in general in this film, you can see where they cut corners, but you can also see where they put their money, which is really nice. Um, th- I just noticed different things I've picked up on so much stuff, especially cause Frank Langella is the glue. He's the main character. Skeletor is the main character of this, of this thing. He has some of the best monologues. I think I've memorized them all. Um, th- and he, it's funny. He takes a cookie cutter character like Skeletor and turns it like you sort of said into something better. But to the point, like I've noticed how he now has actual emotional ticks. Yeah. He repeats himself when he doubts himself. And then he corrects himself when he wants to sort of boost him up. This is a person or a being that is actually tormented. Like he's playing a very multi-tiered character. And there even there's something so interesting to have that be in the midst of schlock. Right, and I really love that. I think the script is very, very tight and funny, and I think that it overall checks all the boxes for me, like again, Terminator Two would have been a nice choice, yeah, but
1: yeah, would you have picked like if, if we I don't could think do I would Terminator two Terminator that-
0: Two jumped in my head, yeah. But I don't like it. It it checks a lot of the boxes, but also it's it's also very serious. If you if especially I think is the more you watch it, the more serious that film gets. And again, I do have to if I'm going with the exercise. Yeah, uh, this isn't like locked away in a comfortable room for your uh, to watch one movie (laughs) for the rest of your life or just whatever. This is survival. I think I need something like this. You could frame it in any way you want. No, but we framed it like this. Right. So I chose this movie. Right. You chose this. (laughs) So I don't know. I if you haven't seen it i would really be interested actually oh my god (laughs) listeners i need a listener who has never watched (laughs) masters of of the universe 1987 who generally enjoys sci-fi i don't want to i don't want someone who like doesn't like a sci-fi thing to watch it because i I know what you'll think yeah um but i'd really be interested to have a listener watch the film and send us a a small short review that we can sort of read at a later or bits of at a later episode because i I I'm just curious for people that don't have you and I's sort of history with the film Shahir. Yeah. How it would play in 2018. Like if it could still be fun. And I think it
1: could. I think, I think if you, if you jump in with like, Oh, this was Thor before Thor was Thor. This was like Thor for a different generation. Sure, I think that would that would like make it make sense. But like for example, my wife watched it with me, and she was like, you know, like just none of this landed for her. None of not. Well, she's not a huge sci fi nut, is she? Not a huge sci fi nut, but it also like it kind of speaks to as well. I think the nostalgia place that you and I are coming from, which was like young boys that are into. He man, and and if you're not, you know, like even sure. having Tila or Shira or all that stuff doesn't. If you're not into that, it's like it's it's sort of a hodgepodge of stuff.
0: I want someone who really enjoyed Star Trek: The Next Generation, who's <laughs> never seen Masters of the Universe, to watch Masters of the Universe. You
1: know what? I also really did like. I remember the. I remember this as a kid, and I hadn't thought about it for a long time, but the mythology around the key. Of the cosmic key, the, the cosmic key, and like the way it played music, I remember that being much like much more incredible. But then there's, but then you like in the movie you see Guildo, like jamming at it with like his like big chubby fingers, you <laughs> know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, like. I just remember it being like this sort of mystical thing. And, I, and you know, a, 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 sort of a tale from back then was that I would like we would have like woods near us and I would run into them, you know, when we were playing. And I would look for things like that and be like, oh, when is this thing going? So it really did spark the imagination yes. that way. Yeah. Maybe if I was stuck on a desert island, that might be a good thing because it would like send me into hunter gatherer mode. Or there's something
0: lots like. of there's lots of good things. So that's why I chose it. Right. Um so yeah, I mean I mean look, we could go into this. I could quote you the entire script. That's not the point. Uh but, but since, you love this film. I love this film. And 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 now <laughs> since everything comes to he who waits, <laughs> and Shahir has waited so very long for this moment. If
1: for fake.
0: F for fake. I open up the luggage. I get off my shift at the <laughs> quarry or whatever uh, Ben is making me dig uh, to to appease Jacob on the on the friggin' others island. <laughs> wow, lots of lost references in my head today. Do you think
1: you guys get together and watch it together, or I would it just make you on them eventually unless
0: right. they take it from me. Gotcha. Uh,
1: F for fake. Uh,
0: well, this is a nineteen seventy three.
1: Doc, documentary I'm gonna I'm gonna stay silent because I want you to just I want to see what you because I, I didn't give you any information about no, it oh
0: and I'd heard about it and I heard it was about uh I mean actually you know I, I quoted it a little bit before a documentary about fraud and fakery is literally the only thing on IMDB to actually sort of uh uh to you know when we read the IMDB synopsis I was like I guess that's true so this is Orson Welles and and again I I kind of do want you to jump in from time to time because I feel like I think one reason I thought you chose this film as your your desert island movie is because one viewing is not enough. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I feel like I have that one viewing mindset of it and I got some questions. Right. OK. Um, but the but it's basically. um. Did this film come about... and This is the main question that'll sort of do my... Did it come about he was making one film and then he decided that uh, he found out some information then sort of twisted it into this film? Is there a mythology
1: behind it in that way? There is a mythology behind this movie that's pretty rich and deep and crazy. Um, I, guess, I guess the thing so I did a thing, which is as soon as I said to you, as soon as I figured out that this was the movie I was going to play, I sat and watched it. Mm -hmm. And I think I watched it at that moment from like a first person. I was like, what is the impression of this movie? The first time, like, and I was kind of like, Oh, does this, cause I've watched this movie like a good on 30 or 40 times. Sure. And I was like, does this movie actually make sense if you're just watching it for the first time?
0: Oh yes, it does. There are scenes in it that that took me out of it. Specifically, honestly, the very beginning, I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> uh, there's like there's a scene where Orson Welles is like acting this sort of magic scene with like playing with the kid, and like making things disappear and sleight of hand and stuff like that. And I was like, "Okay, well, this definitely isn't real." This, but like he's gonna he's starting to narrate this like it's a documentary or or, or something. And then once it actually started moving. You basically find out that it, it, he's 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 not following. He's just sort of orating a story about uh, an art faker by the name of uh, El- Elmir
1: Elmir Dori.
0: Yeah, and and then the person who was his biographer, Clifford uh, Clifford Irving. Cliffing, Clifford Irving, and somewhere on the side, there's a woman named o- uh, Oja. Mm-hmm. which we are like, okay, she's in there in the beginning. And then she kind of comes back at the end for a very specific purpose. Like they do they, At first I thought it was going to be Orson Welles kind of debunking how f- people fake stuff. That's okay. how I thought it was going to go, because in the beginning of this film, there is uh, the the sort of like Oja, this beautiful woman, is like just walking down the street in like a, a short skirt. And like it's just he's filming men leering at her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like the, he's going to talk about like how perception like can can change the way you look at things and how you don't notice stuff based on other things. So he just did a whole sleight of hand thing with the kid. But then you get into this more rich meat and potato stuff of This this art faker who I think his story, even on its own, not nested in this Russian nesting nesting doll of plot is great because he's he's an art forger that literally like he's made so many forgeries like they're definitely hanging in museums. And he has this line. He's like, look, if my paintings in the Louvre, it's real. Right. And like, that's a baller, baller sort of um, uh, outlook on life. And then you have his biographer who I guess, did he get the job because he said he was, he was the biographer of Howard Hughes uh, or I don't get the, yeah. Do you want me to jump? Yeah. Cause the timeline's a little bit rough for me about what I want to get through what it actually happens. And then the <laughs> questions I can sort of touch on because,
1: well, because I, and I think it is intentionally, obfuscated. Like it's it, meant it, to be. It, 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 it kind of jumps all over the place. And I think you have these scenes of Orson Welles sitting in an edit room going, no, we'll come back to that. Oh, let me jump back over here. And he's kind of like editing it in real time. Yes. um, But but just to answer your question, uh, Clifford Irving was Elmiadori's Dori's uh, biographer. He wrote articles about him. He'd written a book about him. And then later in life, Clifford Irving was famously, um, he was actually a, uh, arrested for this. Uh, he wrote a biography of Howard Hughes that Howard Hughes purported to have paid for. But the thing is, no one had seen Howard Hughes for maybe 10, 15 years. Howard Hughes was played famously by Leonardo DiCaprio in um, The Aviator. Yep. And and Howard Hughes kind of eventually debunked this. And it became this question of like, well, did Clifford Irving learn how to do fakery because he spent so much time with one of the world's greatest art. Forges? Yeah, probably. Um, and, and so that's yeah. kind of the, the timeline of it. So
0: you pick up a lot of different stuff in the beginning of this movie. Orson Welles says to you, he was like for the next hour, uh, you know, I, everything I'm going to tell you is absolutely true. And you've just seen this whole thing about like sleight of hand and fakery and, and, and making uh, people pay attention to one thing when maybe they should be paying attention to another. Uh, you go down this whole thing, da da da, da, da and uh, it, it, I, I do always appreciate Orson Welles as sort of like one track mind when it comes to Howard Hughes. Like when Howard Hughes entered this picture, I was like, yeah. yeah, like of course this is around this, but um, it goes down this sort of rabbit. It's like rabbit hole upon rabbit hole upon rabbit hole. And then it talks about what like what actually uh, a fake thing is versus real, which is kind of like the quote that I mentioned about uh, if it's in the Louvre or whatever. it's Look, I mean, and that's something where the film really started to grab me, because I am a I sign on. I co-sign 100 percent for the fake it until you make it mentality. Right. Everything in my in, – in, in in all aspects of my life, I feel like I've just faked things until I get there. And then because I, I credit myself as being a competent person, if I don't feel I'm up to the task, I get myself up to the task. But I normally have faked my way to get there. Right. And it – because – the entirety of our in of our entire society is based on presentation and based on on what people think of a thing mm-hmm. money's only real because we give it value right. there's that whole aspect to this thing so when someone can buck the system like um Elmir. Elmir can do, and and in a way, uh, Clifford can do. Uh, that is always interesting to me because they're going. They they believe so hard in themselves that it doesn't matter that the rest of the world doesn't believe in them because they end up doing it anyway. Like it's this weird sort. Of, so that aspect grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Now here is where I I. I was hoping the film wouldn't go, but it did. And mm. I think, a, I think this is where I have a problem, not a problem with it, but like this film is very clever. I think it's put together. Like you said, sort of feels like the Orson Welles in the edit room. He actually literally shows him editing a thing. At one point, he talks about how editing is magic. Cause it is. Yeah. Um, he does this thing and, 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 and I actually kind of felt it coming, like when he did that line of like for the next hour. I'm not gonna. I'm like, and even I was like, well, I think this movie's longer than an hour. I'm like, right. is he gonna? T- yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I I like it because it's clever, but I I didn't like that I figured it out right away. He starts this whole story about Picasso and o- Oja or o- Oja. Oh o- yeah, oh yeah. Thank you. Um, about how uh, Oya was or his his her grand no it was her would would go to uh lived in the same town that picasso did at some point and then uh he would watch her out a window and there's a really long scene a really long scene like it felt like 10 minutes of like stills of picasso looking through uh venetian blinds at at oya walking um and then basically he wanted to paint her and she said he could if uh, she uh, it was 22 paintings or something like that if uh, she got to keep them all and he did it and whatever so he had a whole period of them and then uh, then uh, she tried to sell them and he went, he got mad because it was supposed to be just for her and because uh, they basically like privatized a whole uh, season for, for Picasso and there's this whole call me by your name sort of moment of not not the film itself but like literally it's Orson Welles and Oja playing. Oja's playing Picasso and Orson Welles. Is, is that how it, it's like? Uh, Orson Welles is playing is playing Oya's grandfather. Playing Oya's grandfather who has the... Anyway, it's a very convoluted thing to talk about how easily you can uh, sort of... How, how this sort of can happen or how a person can be in charge of someone else's narrative and then he pulls the rug under uh, out from under you being like, by the way, an hour was 17 minutes ago or whatever and that whole story was fake. Yeah. So it was to further the idea that... Uh, you can, you, especially in a medium like film or in any medium, if you do the right tricks, you get bought, you, you buy into whatever's happening. The problem I had was I, that was a trick that I, I didn't want to be correct on, but I had had the thought being like, I hope this isn't what's going to happen. Right. Um, so, but so in that, and this is, and I think if I knew more of the backstory, it wouldn't have bothered me as much, uh, that's sort of the not the, the it's not the whole point of the film because the film has many points. But but if the idea is fakery only works as well as you can do it to fake a person. But then the fakery that they're doing to sort of prove that in one aspect is a fakery I I caught on to. Mm. It, it didn't give me the gut punch that I wanted to have at the end. So like while I while I it it is a great film there's no question in my mind about that and I really liked it. I look forward to watching it again and I'd like to read a little bit more about it um the 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 it, it was so good and it built me up to a spot and then it did a thing that I had already figured out and hoped that it wouldn't do. So it didn't quite land the ending for me. Right. But I also wonder if that's a, if that's a symptom of the times
1: 19, the movie is 1973.
0: No, I and- mean the symptom of today, watching this film now for the first time. Right. Because I, especially like the second I knew it was about forgers and right. I knew it was Orson Wells and he's a clever dude. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, there's going to be a thing. Right. And then that me. But like, I can only imagine like back in the day when you didn't have this, this, that even idea that that was even a thing. Yeah. How mind blowing that would be. Yeah. Um, So I totally see. I, I think I see why this is your desert Island film and I, and I would cherish it and I wouldn't let, I'd let Juliet watch it. I wouldn't let Ben watch it on the Island. Okay. Um, maybe Lapidus. I'd let Lapidus watch it.
1: I'm trying Lapidus was. He was the pilot. I don't he think cool. he'd be into it. I think Ben would be Desmond.
0: Real... Desmond would be into it. Ben would, de- see, ben would want to. I I don't want Ben to watch. He'd get ben, ideas. Desmond would really be into yeah. this film. He yeah. would
1: he would watch this over and over. Can we? Jack watch... Jack would hate it. Jack would hate it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sawyer would love it.
1: Maybe. Yeah. It's all yeah, about it's, what Sawyer it's a does. Con man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so why in your in your head uh, would would this be your film?
1: So this it was actually really hard for me to think about that question because. I was like, I was thinking the the thing about Guillermo del Toro's one sock thing, really, just just stuck in my head, and it is this film that I just can't like let go of, and it's and it it to me there's this personal connection to it because it feels like it romanticizes everything I love in life, yeah, <laughs> like it like it is it is it like and so when I, even just thinking about the film just kind of like kind of in a way gives me butterflies and then like when I watch it and I hear like Orson Wells monologuing about the Chatra, the, the giant, um, uh, cathedral yeah. that has no authorship. Mm-hmm. I just think I, like that is like a catnip to me. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it, I could just watch that all day. And there's a thing about, you know, the romanticism of, of who Orson Welles was about the idea of him putting together this film. So to come back to your initial question, the backstory around this film. At the beginning of the movie, there was a guy who you kind of see a couple of times. He's wearing the Porky Pig t-shirt. Uh, yeah. That guy's Fr- Francois Reichenbach. Yeah. Uh, Francois Reichenbach uh, was making a documentary about Elmere, and he's kind of like, he just had all this footage. He'd been hanging out with Elmere. He'd been hanging out with Clifford Irving for a little while, and he was friends with Orson Welles, and he said, hey, could you edit this film for me? And Orson Welles, you got to remember, at this point in his life, had pretty much just fallen off the map of Hollywood. He was like- 200 pounds overweight. He would like, he would, uh, his last known role was, uh, Omnicron in Transformers a few years later than this. That was pretty much what he was doing. Unicron. Unicron. Please. And, and, um, (laughs) And, you know, like he wasn't getting a lot of work. And the thing was, he was, the the thing that's romantic about the Orson Welles figure of late is, you you know, like at the start of his career, he was heralded as the boy genius. He was uh, given basically the keys to the kingdom, make whatever you want. He turned in what is arguably called today still one of the greatest films made of all time. He's 24 years old at the time. Ever since then, you know, when he says I've been failing, you know, I started at the top and been failing down my whole life is actually true. The (laughs) thing is, the thing is, as an artist, he got bitter. And he, and to me, the thing about this is I think this is a better film than Citizen Kane because it is a film that it's scrapped together by like the, 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 you know, the, the seat of his pants. He has no money. He's trying to make at the same time as this, he's trying, he's been working on a a version of Don Quixote for like years that he can't get financing for. Yeah, I forgot about that. He's got like other films that he's been trying to make um, that just aren't going anywhere. And, and this is a guy that takes all of that frustration that mm. inability to get financing the fact that he's still turning in great films like just before this he did the film the trial the adaptation of the franz Ka- uh, franz kafka film okay. which is amazing it's just mind blowing um and you know like Hollywood doesn't want to have a bar of him. You know, like he's making the most amazing films of all time. And he takes all of that frustration and he's like, okay, he, and as he starts making this film, the Clifford Irving story with Howard Hughes comes to the forefront. People are like Clifford Irving. Who is this guy? Why did he write this fake biography of Howard Hughes? And so Orson Welles takes this documentary about the world's greatest art forger, which happens to feature Clifford Irving. Yeah. And then he says, okay, the reason why Elmir has not reached the, the level of attainment is that he's not been validated by experts. He's not Oh, he I has, did leave that out, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, he hasn't been he hasn't reached the sort of level of validation. And and then he realizes that the thing that Happened to Clifford Irving is that Clifford Irving wasn't validated. Clifford Irving was refuted immediately. He was his his biography was immediately like torn apart because a voice of or of Howard Hughes appears on this like phone and says, "No, that's not me." And they're like, "Who is you know?" And Orson Welles asked the question. It was like a voice appeared out of nowhere and suddenly Clifford Irving's career was gone, and and then Orson Welles then he takes that those two stories and then he turns the whole film on its head and starts talking about his career and what. What he's done in his career and how he says, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I started making movies. I said, I was an actor, but I wasn't, but people believed me. So I just kept doing it. I made this incredible, uh, uh, radio play war of the worlds mm-hmm. and it just, you know, like it, and, and, and other people play, replayed it and got arrested for what I did. Yeah. You know, if you remember the famous story, he he yeah, played yeah. war of the worlds as a real story on the radio and people believed it and ran for the hills. Um, and then he turns it about like the he 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 comes to this final conclusion, which is what I think is the romanticism of this for me, is he is like, all art is fake. everything is fake. right? All it requires is validation. And he has been validated and invalidated in times. And I think that's why this story like of, of the Picasso thing is, is yes, it is meant to surprise you, but I think it's like, to me, it's like the ending of the prestige, which is like, I knew it was the ending of the prestige was coming when I saw it, but, and I didn't like, like it the first time, but then the more I watched it, I was like, it doesn't actually matter because right. that's what the film is about. Yeah, And the ending there is like, Oh, he tells you the story. And if even for a sliver of a second, you believe it, he immediately pulls the rug out from under it and says, no, that was a fake story. And, If you believed it for just a second, that's all you need to know to understand how art works. And that's why I love this documentary is that, it's this, it's this, and the term that was coined around this documentary was that it wasn't a documentary, it was a video essay. And in fact, if you...
0: Which which is now very popular on you, the YouTubes.
1: If you look at, listen to uh, one of the most famous video essayists, uh, Tony Zhu, who did uh, Every Frame a Painting, he points to this film as the reason he does what he does, or did what he did. And he talks about how this, the techniques that this film employed are really at the cutting edge of what video essays could have and should have been and still are. Yeah. And, and I watch this film and, and just get my mind is blown every time by not just the, the layering of story here, the Elmere, Clifford, and then um, uh, Orson Welles himself, but also the technique at display here. Orson Welles just – he has the a command of the cinematic language like no other person has, even when – he has no money to do anything extraordinary. Yeah. And he's just like hodgepodging and like slamming this film together in the edit suite, showing cuts. Th- this film had some of the shortest cuts in history up until this point. Yeah, it did. To the point where, um, projectionists would stop the movie and like certain Thinking cuts, it's a mistake. Thinking it's a mistake. And Lo- he was like, no, everything was intentional. So I, like- and the thing is, you know, like I, I I've seen. I, I wrote um, my honors thesis about this film or about a, a part of this film. Oh, that's I, that's weird. I wrote my honors thesis about Master of the, the Universe. universe. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it was and it was like, and, and you know, for that project, I would have I had to watch this like, God knows how many times. Oh, I but, imagine. But but every time I watch this film, I just get excited about it. Now I don't know. I don't expect you to get excited about it. I don't expect anyone to get excited about it like I do. But if I was to, you know, pick a movie that that kind of, like, f- fills my imagination. Sure. And like, you know, fulfills me and kind of, like, snaps my brain into, like, weird places. This is the film.
0: You know what's very interesting? To, to me, maybe, to no one else. But whatever. This is... I'm talking to the microphone. Uh, I think the things that brought us to both of our films are the exact same thing. And I don't mean what the films are. It's the feelings... That like what you just described about like sort of like getting your kicking your imagination into gear and like getting you to feel creative or or whatnot. Or even to the point of like at first I was like, well, why did she pick more of a documentary film as opposed to a narrative film? Uh, And, you know, even outside of the exercise of like the reasons I was like, oh, I need leisure time or whatever. But like it is about the feeling that the thing gives you. Yeah. And. The feeling, for instance, that Masters of the Universe gives me always gets me into. I used to make when I was a little kid and I don't know. Did you ever make movies when you were like a little kid? Like, did you have like a crappy camera and like and make like stupid? Like I used to make um, videos uh, of like uh, I used to do like continuations of like Escape from New York. I'd make Escape from the Barn Mm -hmm. from my grandparents farm when I was like 11. Yeah. And like I just make a bunch of stuff. Yeah. This film master the universe is the, is the sort of stuff that even back then and now still makes me excited to create, which is weird because it's not crazy innovative. It's not like F for fake. I feel like is, especially at the time was like insanely innovative and, and it, all of the things that you've just described that you really love about the film, how he didn't like the budget wasn't there and he still managed to do it. And even though he was sort of failing in his career as one thing, he was becoming a master at something else. Um, a master of his own universe yeah. if you will but like I'm, I'm sorry I'm rambling the point is I think the films that we chose are the things that make us want to create and I think if we're stuck on a desert island, yeah.
1: creating might be the only <laughs> thing that's important. I mean, yeah, you need to learn how to like but the, but then wouldn't castaway be a better choice for both of us? You know like No, because that's <laughs> just a man going insane. Well, but he's also learning how to make fire. Sure. Fire. Uh, yeah, and talking to a beach ball. The the no, but like I y- one thing I was curious about with Master of the Universe as opposed to, say, like, Escape from New York. Why, why, why Master of the Universe over that? Or why Master of the Universe over Star Wars? or
0: Escape from New York is a film that I think uh, it was, the, was the reason that I went to film school. Mm-hmm. But it is not something that I feel like is eternally watchable. Mm-hmm. It is a slow film. It it has beautiful shots, but they go on way too long. Uh, I have problems with the technique of it. But back in the uh, but back in the day was the thing that was like, no, this I want to make this, and I still do. Like that's that's sort of a, a point of inspiration. But it is not, and I, and I I think I enjoy the nostalgia of seeing that film for the first time and being like, oh yes, technically I want to make movies because of this thing. Right. I started doing, but even before that. I started doing things and wanting to hunt down a camera or doing radio plays on like cassette tapes because – masters of the universe existed and that I had seen it so much. Like if, if, if for instance, if escape from New York is the reason why I went to film school, masters of the universe, honestly, and, and it could even go a little bit into the toys as well, but I just feel like the, the film is like the finish line. Yeah. Uh, is the reason why I like telling stories. Right. And again, it's not a great story. It's a good story, but it's a good story that's grounded in, 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 in what I consider, um, again, Frank Langella killed it. No one else really did acting-wise. Everyone else on the crew, I feel like, did an okay job. The director hasn't directed a thing really since. He's yeah. coming out with something soon.
1: Yeah, and Evita, uh, Great version of Evita. I love Evita. Like, yeah.
0: So I think um, it's it, it's just that it's it's the perfect mix for me of, again, nostalgia definitely plays into it, but it can't just be that because I feel like then it would be Escape from New York, and it's just
1: not. right. Um, It's, I I think, you know, it's curious if I was thinking about the film that made me want to make films, I know I definitely, the impetus to start creating was Transformers the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because, because I. The the cartoon. The cartoon movie. Not not Michael Bay. But it was like a, a crime of necessity that made me start creating it, which was that. Uh, we, I couldn't dub the VH, the VHS. I didn't, we didn't own two VHS players. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how to like connect two VHS players. So I got a tape recorder and I would like record the movie and then listen to it. And then I was kind of like creating it in my head. And I started drawing the film as I saw it in my head. And I think that was what started the, like that process of creation. If a fake, I think maybe crystallized a period in my life where, I started realizing that film could be more than
0: just I mean, a story just a just as like a story like a narrative or like or or
1: I think the thing was you know if a fake also reminds me of a thing I have about um Watchmen and the Wire which is that those are two fil- not just the, the W films um, <laughs> but 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 um but that there are two Uh, pieces of art that are intrinsically tied to the medium that they come from. So The Wire, to me can't be anything other than a TV show. And because it tells a story through the medium of TV show, yeah. the reason that it works is because it's a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing about Watchmen the graphic novel. The only, you know, the reason why that's so successful is it does things with the form of the graphic novel that only you could do with a graphic novel. I don't think that works quite as well as a movie, although I think um, Zack Snyder's adaptation is actually a pretty good adaptation. I just right. don't think it translates very well. And I don't think it will work as a novel or uh, maybe it'll work as a TV show. I don't know. Hey, is it HP? Or Showtime. Uh, I think it's HBO because uh, Damon Lindelof, our guy from uh, Lost, who's yep. uh, who's uh, at the helm. Yep. Um, the thing for If a Fake was I. I just kind of realized that all the things that I thought were important when making a movie weren't weren't important at all. And and what the other thing that I love about If a Fake is I feel like If a Fake is a direct tap in line into Orson Welles' brain, and I feel like I'm getting. I'm, I'm seeing his thought process as he's thinking it. You're being a psychic vampire. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of, and, and I don't think a lot of movies have ever made me feel that way. Like, like that I am directly in touch with another person's brain. And, and I think, you know, like that, that to me was profound. That to me was, was, was life changing. And that to me kind of validated the power of cinema. Mm -hmm. And that's why, the movie meant a lot to me. And that's why I still like when I watch it, I just, there's something about it that like touches my, the, the very core of my being, you know what I mean? Um, but I don't expect everyone to love, like, my wife hates this movie. She's like, she's yeah. like every time I put it on and I'm watching it, she's like, oh, God, I, I don't want to hear Orson Welles, like, fucking drone on uh, ever again about, like, some bullshit. I remember some friends came over and I was like, I, I was like, oh, let's watch this movie because there were they were movie people and they hated That's it. That's the most depressing mm,
0: yeah. experience when you're excited. Even a YouTube video, I yeah. get sad. I'm like, this is the funniest thing. Yeah. yeah. Nope,
1: no one. No. Left. And I was like, oh, Yeah. But I, but I, you know, it's that thing is like, I can watch this movie at the drop of a dime. If it's playing anywhere, I will watch it. You know, like, if it's playing in a movie theater nearby, I will try to make time to go see it, even though I own it on Blu-ray. I've owned it on Blu-ray, I've owned it on DVD, I've had a pirated copy of it. I will buy it in any medium that it comes in. Yeah. Um, well,
0: I think that's I think that is very important because the uh, Desert Island film, as we've described it, is is for us. Just because our luggage got mixed up doesn't mean the exercise like the original thing was we could only watch this one thing. Yeah. And it's a personal experience, which is which is something that that i think i mean look art in general we all have sort of personal experiences with and and, you know just because we're a film podcast i'm not trying to discount uh every other sort of art form that people latch onto, music painting uh you know novels etc but like you know these are things that for whatever reason have either uh in the past made us tick or continue to help us tick hmm. and they're all we're, we're all unique snowflakes and I, think, and I mean that in a good way not in
1: the weird way that it's now you know, that connotated. That Tommy Lahren might use, yeah. that, use it against them. I think also the other thing is is it, these two choices are so Matt and Shaheer <laughs> these two choices are so Matt and Shaheer so the people who listen to this podcast will either fall into two camps and there are two very tiny camps and there will people who will love Masters of the Universe I don't know if many of those people will have seen If for fake, or there will be people who love if for fake, and I don't know if many of those people will have seen Master of the Universe. And they will both be on either side going, What the fuck is this person talking about? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And and I think that's kind of where it works you know what i mean like because it is kind of about the the fact that cinema is broad filmmaking is is a broad subject that that goes that that speaks to a lot of different things and i think that that this this exercise kind of highlighted the Matt and Shahir paradigm of of what we love. I, I'm curious, though. I I think I I definitely have a soft spot for Mass of the Universe. It, it's a tricky one because I've seen it so of course, many, times. and I didn't know that. I, mean, I think you told me it once, but I didn't
0: register when I had picked it. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I I don't know if if a fake is kind of something you would watch again. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think I
0: should watch it again. I I um. But did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it and again. The only thing there there were two moments I didn't enjoy one very beginning. I thought the beginning was sloppy, but I almost think it was sloppy on purpose. I mean that by editing the, right. the scene they did with the match. I was like, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the end twist, which I had it a twist, mm-hmm. which I had figured out, but those aren't the points of the film. Right. Like, I feel like I honestly watching it again, those things wouldn't bother me because it's not like I, I wouldn't feel like the film was trying to do anything to me. I would just be noticing more cool stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'd 100% watch it again. And you live a block away, so that'll probably happen. Um, yeah. So this has been the, the
1: 150th episode. The only
0: podcast about F for Fake and Masters of the
1: Universe. That the, statement I can guarantee. That is a double feature that will never happen. And I it, did it in one day. You did a double feature of F for Fake and Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Nobody in the history of cinema is ever going to watch those two movies back I hope, to back.
0: I hope our listeners do. And I want you to tell us about it. Where can people tell us if they decide to go on this weird, lost... <laughs> Uh, you know, man in the cabin journey with us.
1: Uh, you can grow your beard out long and build a fire around a log table at uh, and g- email us in about that fire with maybe a video of it. I don't know sure. at onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I think the thing I'm also interested in in hearing from, and you can do this on Twitter at onlymoviepod is is what are your desert island movies? What are the oh, yeah. movies that get you so excited, so breathlessly excited about filmmaking, about watching movies, about feeling. Emotionally connected to the filmmaker or the art or the story or whatever it is. What would be your desert island film if you were stuck in the front or the back of the plane?
0: You get us you, you, or the middle. Maybe you were in the middle of the plane. Maybe you were another passenger that we didn't even know was there. Um, yeah, let us know that. Also, you can let us know on Facebook. We go to Facebook still uh, from time to time. We post stuff there. I just posted the new Infinity War trailer that Shahir should not watch. Definitely did not watch. Um, and yeah, uh, oh, Shahir, when you are when you are not falling from the sky trying to survive with only one piece of cinema that you accidentally gleaned from my luggage, where can folks find you?
1: Uh, did I survive? Maybe I just dreamt the whole thing, a la lost. I don't Allah. know, or did they? Did they? Um, you can find me at my website, shahirdowd.com That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D Matt, when you are not uh, ripping down the wood from your log, comfortable log cabin, right? Might I add, yep. which I don't have on my side of the sure, island. Sure, we have a hatch. Yeah, I, I mean, where can people find you and your woodworking um, apparel that you sell. You can find
0: (laughs) me at the Gazelle station uh, at (laughs) at, um, m a t t h e w k r o l dot com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also this week, um, I guested on a very lovely podcast called Show Me the Meaning by the gentleman over at Wisecrack. Uh, They were kind enough to put me and Mr. James Port now from Extra Credits on their Annihilation podcast and that dropped this week so please check that out if you already haven't. They were lovely. It's all about the philosophy behind film. Mm-hmm. And Annihilation was an interesting one because it, there is some, but I think there's actually more philosophy behind the making of Annihilation okay. than there actually is. Uh, and I think it's in tandem. It's very strange. I'll um, check it out. So yeah, check that out. And uh yeah, I guess we will see y'all <laughs> or you'll hear us next week. Right? Uh
1: everything I've said for the last 10 minutes has been a complete lie.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Oh
1: my God! Was yours? Was you? Yeah, I hate If a Fake. It was. It, was it? Was it Heather's? Is your favorite yeah, movie my Heather's? Favorite, my favorite movie is Twenty One Jump Street. There we go. The yeah. remake. No, no, just the original, the made for TV version with Johnny Dip. Okay. That was. That's my jam. That's the movie I want to watch. Wow. Everything I've said is a lie, and If a Fake uh, is a terrible movie. Well, the cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie.